Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Uh, last week, as Adam said, in our new home series, uh, and have, I hope you have noticed, uh, what have we been doing? We haven't been talking about buildings, uh, we haven't talked a great deal about uh, target or money, although that is one of our goals. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the deep things of God, what matters to God, uh, that we might be convicted on these things. So we started with God's glory. Uh, we, we saw uh, that all of life is, is to be uh, lived to his glory. Uh, we saw God's great heart for the lost, that, that he sent Jesus for the lost. Uh, we saw... Uh, God's given us gifts, uh, opportunities to be all used to his service. Uh, we've seen God's great project is the building of his church. Uh, that's his great glory piece. Uh, and we've also seen uh, the gospel of grace is to be passed on to generations. And all that we are on about here at Salt is, is, is those things. It speaks uh, right into our vision as a church. Uh, what's the kind of church we want to be? Uh, what do we see ourselves uh, looking like in the future? What do we want to pass on generations down the track? It really is that flood of lifelong disciples. Think about that with me for a moment. Uh, visions, visions are very powerful, aren't they? What, what kind of... Imagine uh, a child growing up at Salt. You don't have to imagine it. Just come to 10am church. There's, there's tons of them around. Uh, and lots of, lots of babies being born at Salt. Um, think about what would you, what would be your heart's desire and prayer uh, for the child even yet to be born at Salt? Uh, don't you want them to be that uh, lifelong disciple of Jesus? Uh, don't you want them to be the mature follower of Jesus, uh, deeply rooted in the gospel of grace, uh, the, the disciple of Jesus who serves with all of their life, who magnifies God with, with all they have, is on mission for Jesus, is, is deeply secure because they're in Christ and part of his family, a member uh, there of, of God's family. Is that your vision for the youngest member of our church? Is that, is that your vision for your life? As you think about what would, what would good look like as you go to the future, as you get to the end of your life, what would you be happy that you've achieved? Uh, what have you prayed for? What have you given yourself to? What have you given money towards? Uh, is it all in that direction. Because vision statements are great, but here's the thing, they actually require all of us to opt into them. Uh, have you ever seen a, a vision statement that is so long and so removed from reality uh, that no one really cares about? It kind of goes in the, in the top drawer or the bottom drawer and just sits there. Uh, you actually have to buy in to vision statements, don't you? You actually have to live them out. Uh, everyone needs to be on board to live it out. Uh, you actually have to be willing to, to move and shape things towards that vision. You need to make personal sacrifice. Last week we talked about suffering and sacrificing uh, towards that vision. Well, if that's the case, you're really, going to want to, you're really going to need to want this vision, love this vision. Because here's the thing, it's, it's when the vision... Um, sorry, when visions grow teeth, if you like, when they bite into us, uh, 
they really mean something. And, and when does that happen? It's when we buy into them with our lives. I think that's when they become powerful. And that is, you only get out of a vision statement what you put into it. Uh, you only get out of it what you put into it. And that's the principle that's uh, applied here by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So have a look with me, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now Paul's uh, applying this uh, quite narrowly, he's applying it to the giving of money, but it's the same principle. Have a look in verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Uh, so it's a simple and obvious farm illustration. Adam's already greatly helped us. Uh, but if you're a city boy like me, I need, I need these analogies to help me. Um, but it's just very simple, isn't it? The more you sprinkle the seed out, the more that goes out, all things being equal, the bigger crop you're going to receive. Uh, that's the very simple uh, uh, principle of farming. Um, so Adam mentioned the $100,000 uh, the hope that it turns into 300,000, you've actually got to commit the 100,000 into the ground. If you sprinkle a few seeds in, only a few, you can only expect to get uh, a very small crop. Uh, if you sprinkle many seeds, uh, all things being equal, you're heading for a bumper crop. That is, you only get out what you put in. If you put nothing in, you'll get nothing out. Uh, if you put loads in, you'll get loads out. Uh, it's true... For almost every area of life, isn't it? Uh, it's true of relationships. Uh, it's true of exercise. It's true of study. Uh, you might need to hear that if you're a student. Uh, it's, true, it's true of our vision that I spoke about. And it's also true of money. It's also true of money. Look again at verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. It turns out money is like the rest of life. If you sow your money generously, we get generously in return. Uh, let, me, let me put it more, more pointedly. If you're stingy with your money, if you earn a, a good income, you have resources, but you only give away spare change, uh, you know, nothing that really hurts, you will, Paul's saying, you will reap sparingly. But if you are generous, if you use your wealth, your income, your resource that is a gift from God and you use it in a generous way, uh, giving sizable amounts, uh, amounts that actually matter, here's the thing, you'll find something wonderful, the, the Apostle Paul says. He says you will reap generously. Uh, what does he say? He said, God will bless you. There's the promise here in God's word. Now, why is this? Why is it that if I give generously, I get more in return? Uh, well, the answer from Paul is, it's because of God. Have a look again, verse, verse 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly. See, there is some, this is something that God does. He loves the cheerful giver and he loves to bless the cheerful giver in return. Now, 
Paul's not talking about karma, you know, the idea of karma, that, like there's kind of some secret ordering of the universe where if you show generosity, luck will come back your way. Some people think that's, that's true. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, no, understand that God is in control of this principle that, that the Apostle Paul's talking about. Do you feel uncomfortable at this moment? It feels a little bit like the prosperity gospel, doesn't it? Have you heard about the prosperity gospel? Uh, it's the teaching in some churches that if you give them money, God will make you rich. Uh, God will return your harvest ten times, a hundredfold. So what's the message from some churches? Give us your money and God will make you incredibly wealthy. And of course, those churches speak a lot about money and they often have large, uh, large congregations. Now, it's right to be nervous about the prosperity gospel. Um, what, what are the problems with the prosperity gospel? There's lots of them. Let me, let me give you four. They often take, they take the Bible out of context very often. Um, they often make promises that God doesn't make. Uh, they appeal to people's greed. Um, you know, it's the, the appeal that if you give, um, uh, you'll, you'll get in return. Uh, it's, it's training on my greediness. And they ignore parts of the Bible that actually say there's a danger to wealth. Woe to you who are, who are, who are rich. Uh, so there's lots of, lots of dangers there. So all sorts of reasons why we're nervous about the prosperity gospel. But there is something inescapable about what Paul's saying here. Uh, read it with me again. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give whatever you've decided in your own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to bless you abundantly. So is Paul a gospel, uh, sorry, a prosperity gospel preacher? Uh, and is it true that if you give, if those who can give to new home, can they expect the mansion by the beach? Uh, when I said that this morning, someone said, well, let's, let's put out the cards again. If that's the promise, <laughs> let's do it again. Uh, but let's, let's think about it um, before you get motivated on that. Um, let's dig into this passage a little bit clearly. Is, is that what Paul's saying? No, it's not what he's saying. Let's ask ourselves, what is the harvest Paul is talking about? When he says you will reap generously, what will you reap? What is the harvest you'll reap? So look at it with me. There's, I reckon there's four elements to the harvest that's coming your way if you sow generously. The first one is, if we reap generously, sorry, if we sow generously, we will reap more good works. More good works. Look at verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. See, having what you need, what's God going to do? He's going to give you more good works to do. More good works to do. It's, it's one of those parts of the Bible you realise God's vision of wealth and richness is so much bigger than ours, isn't it? It's so much bigger than our worlds. We think very narrowly. We think in terms of dollars. Uh, we think in terms of money. God's, when God says you'll be rich, you'll be wealthy, it's thinking much, much bigger because 
It is true, isn't it? You can be rich in dollars. In, in Look at your bank account. Look how much money you have. Look how, much, how many properties you have. Look how many investments you have. Or you can be rich in so many other ways. Paul's saying he will bless you with a richness that's found in every good work. Uh, it's there in verse 10. You can reap a harvest of righteousness. Look at it, verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You can see what Paul's saying. He's saying to the Corinthian church, as you give this gift of generosity to the Palestinian church, uh, the the poor starving church in Palestine, uh, that gift that you're about to give is going to come back to you in even more uh, generosity and even more uh, good works. Uh, as you sow in godly generosity, uh, God is going to give you more uh, works to do in generosity. Uh, it's, it's, it's that principle again. Uh, if you sow in purity, God will grow you in purity. If you sow in patience, a harvest growth in patience will come. If you sow in joy, a harvest of joy. If you sow in generosity, God gives us more generosity, more opportunities to be, to be generous. Which for the ungodly person, for the person who's thinking prosperity gospel, they're like, that's not what I'm after. I want the money. Um, I, want, I want to sow money so I can get more money. I'm not interested in purity and patience and joy and generosity. At that point, you've totally misunderstood God and his purposes, haven't you? You've totally misunderstood wealth. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6? Here's the reference coming on the screen. Matthew 6, 22. It's that part of the Bible where Jesus says, um, don't worry about your life, uh, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear, your body, uh, but seek his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. And he he goes on and he says, Do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will never wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what is Jesus saying? What is greater wealth according to Jesus? It's the kingdom, isn't it? It's the kingdom of God. Uh, That real wealth is found in God, in his character, in his building of his church. And he's saying that is so valuable, it is worth selling possessions for. I mean, that's how you you work out what's valuable, isn't it? What would you be willing to sell everything for? Well, Jesus says that would be something that's worth selling everything for, the kingdom of God. That's where true wealth lies. It lies in the kingdom. And this is what God knows, and this is why God brings a harvest of righteousness, of good works, because there is great value and great great richness towards us. And I don't know whether you've noticed this uh, at different points in church life, in, in, in uh, brothers and sisters here at church, where you, you see someone grow, uh, you see someone take a stand against sin, you, t- you see someone become more committed, 
And what's the right, what's the right response? Uh, how, how good is this uh, that God is growing this person, bringing a harvest in this person's life? And so as we've been uh, continuing through our new home series, uh, in the end, it's not about the money, it's not about the target, it's not even about getting the new home. God wants to bless us. He wants to bring this harvest to help us become more like Jesus. That's his great goal. Uh, What does he care most about? He cares about us being transformed into his likeness. Uh, So when we become more unified, more convicted, more prayerful, inviting people to, to find out more about Jesus, there's evidence of the harvest that is, that is coming from God. And as you think about that, you think, well, that is so good, isn't it? We don't actually need a new home, but we do. Uh, stick with me. We, we need a new, a new home will be helpful, not, but it's not, just not, we just don't want to confuse it with the real God, real, real goal. Uh, we need a new home, but God wants to make us more like him. It's really important to get that right, isn't it? We're gunning for a target, we're gunning for a new home and um, God is wanting us to grow like him, become more like Jesus. So there's the first thing, more good works, more righteousness. That's part of the richness of the harvest that's coming. Second piece of the harvest is thanksgiving to God. So have a look uh, in verse 11. He says, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service of which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God. You see what he's saying? Three times he says... What's going to happen as you bring this generous gift to the churches? Others are going to thank and praise God. Uh, That's the overflow of generosity in verse 12. People are thanking God. I don't know whether you've noticed this, uh, again, uh, even over this series, uh, how good is it to see people change, be transformed, to realise and be convicted on the deep things of God? And what's the right thing to say? Praise God for that. How good is God? How generous is God? How awesome is God when you see that happen? When I when, uh, announced last week that uh, already 315,000 has been pledged, praise God for that. Uh, praise God for his generosity. Uh, praise God for the work that he's doing amongst us. When uh, we heard that we've reached our, our budget, we reached our budget for May, praise God for his generosity. Uh, what a great work he's doing amongst us. Uh, when we've seen what a great conversation we've had with each other about money, uh, praise God for that. Uh, when, when we've uh, made progress in killing the idol of money in our lives, praise God for his great generosity to us in making that happen. Uh, praise God when someone says, I can't give to new home, but I'm going to pray for this. I want God to be glorified in Wollongong. I want more people to know him. That's my heart's desire. Praise God that that is happening. Praise God when uh, the youth say, we don't have money, but we're going to mow lawns. Make sure you take advantage of this um, and, and give towards it. Um, 
Praise God when uh, God provides the right people for a building committee to help us plan into the future. Uh, praise God for our, our small group leaders who've, who've steered us through this new home series and all those topics that we've covered each week. Uh, it, but it's not even just through our new home series, is it? It actually happens every week, if you've got eyes to see it. You can see God's generosity when people turn up to church early, set up uh, our Sunday crew, our Connect team, helping people to new, new people to connect in well to salt. Uh, you'll see it uh, on Sunday morning as kids and youth leaders pour their, themselves out for our kids and youth, our musicians, our gathering leaders, our sound and tech team. Praise God for his generosity in what he's provided here at SALT. That is all part of the harvest that God is promising here. That's the second one. The third one is, is quite unexpected. Look, look at verse 14. It's unexpected because it looks a little bit selfish. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God, God has given you. See what Paul's saying to the Corinthian church. As you help the Palestinian churches, they are going to love you. Uh, they are going to pray for you. It almost feel, it feels selfish motivation, doesn't it? It's not Paul's only motivation. It's not even his first one he mentions. But that's a reality. Uh, as you give money, so people will love you and pray for you. Uh, I think... Who are the people that we feel dearest to? Uh, it's people so often that have been the most generous towards us. And Paul's saying, that's just the way God's designed it. It is true. So I think as we think about that for new home, uh, there is a generation coming and the generations ahead uh, who will praise God for the generosity of Salt Church, you guys. Uh, thank you, God, that they gave generously to make a new home happen. Uh, thank you, God, that they had the forethought to think that, to think of more disciples in Wollongong. Uh, they will be appreciating and loving upon you guys uh, in the future. So there's number three, thanks and praise to God. That's part of the harvest. But fourthly, Paul does seem to say that more wealth is part of the harvest too. That is, if we sow generously with our money, Paul does seem to be saying that he'll bless us financially as well. So have a look, verse 7 again. Each of you should give what you decided to give, decide in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things... At all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Uh, so, see there, the blessing comes in all things, uh, which includes money. Uh, so, it's not just good works, uh, but it's in all things at all times. And then look down at verse 10. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. And will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. See, but it's not, he's going to enlarge the harvest of our righteousness when we sow with our money, and, he, and he's going to increase our store of seed. He's actually going to give us more. And then again in verse 11, you'll be enriched in 
every way. And so you can't escape the truth that money is part of the harvest that Paul's talking about. Uh, It's only part, but it is a part of the harvest that God is bringing. That is, when we sow generously with our money, we reap generously in money as well. Uh, We reap financially. And so, is the prosperity gospel right after all? Uh, Can you expect, if you give to new home, that cash will just keep raining down upon you? Uh, Is that the promise? Let me me say three things about that. First thing is it's something about God. God, let me say this, God is our loving Father, not an ATM. Now, does everyone know what an ATM is? (laughs) We don't really use them. Automatic teller machine, you put your card in and you get cash out. Sounds great, doesn't it? Um, but you do, you do need money in your bank account. But what, what a terrible way to think about God, that somehow if I do this transaction, if I put the card in the wall or do certain things, he will give me money. I mean, I've heard parents talk about how offensive that is when kids treat, their kids treat them as ATM. Uh, now, Paul's not talking about a mechanical process. Uh, where you put money in and then God returns. Now, why is it not like that? Look at verse 7 again. God loves a cheerful giver. Emphasis this time on the word loves. God loves you. He doesn't auto-reward you with money. He loves you. What's his stance towards you? It's love. He gives us what is for our best and so... If what's for our best is more money, he will give us more money. If it's not what's best for us, he won't give us more money. And so what, what can you count on from God? That God will love you. He has your best interests at heart. Now, secondly, God doesn't say you'll be f- fabulously rich, but he does say you'll have all that you need. Did you notice that in, in verse 8? And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. So the problem with the prosperity gospel is it trades on greed, doesn't it? It trades on what I want, what I covet. God promises to give us what we need. Uh, in, In fact, God wants us to be content. So often God gives us so much more than we need uh, in his generosity, but God promises to give us what we need. And the third thing to say is he rewards us with money not so we can be selfish with it, but so that we can be generous with it. Look at verse 11. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. So it's, it's not so you can... You can do one act of generosity, uh, give, a, give a large sum of money away and then lie back and be selfish for the rest of your life as all the cash comes rolling in. Uh, it's so you can be generous and keep being generous with the things that God's given you. If God's given you more, it's so that you can be generous with more. Here's what I've noticed about generous Christians who are wealthy, uh, at least wealthier than me. Um, So people with high incomes, uh, people with serious amounts of money, 
who keep giving away large sums of money, it often seems to me that God keeps giving them more money. Uh, God keeps blessing them with more money so they can give it away and they keep giving it away and God keeps giving them more. It's quite extraordinary to watch. Uh, Sometimes we think, if I was just a little bit wealthier, I'd be so much more generous. Uh, And sometimes we think, gee, it's easy for someone wealthier to be generous and give lots away because they've got lots. You know, as I think about uh, the few friends I've got who are wealthy, I actually think and are generous, I actually think, no, it's the way that they've always been. They've always been generous. Uh, Even when they had a little amount of money, they seemed to be so generous with it. It's just that now that God's given them so much more, they're just they're able to give give away so much more. So it's a real fallacy to think that if um, I won't give away much now because I don't have very much, it'll be so much easier. Well, it won't be easier. Uh, It's a hard thing, isn't it? Um, Now you can't give away what you don't have, uh, but generosity starts with the heart, and you start to realise. Why would God give loads of money to someone who is stingy and hoards it? Uh, It must be a great delight to God to give money to people who want to use it for for God's purposes and bring glory to him. I was was, uh, reading up on a guy this week called Dr. Paul White. He's an Australian missionary. Uh, He was an Australian missionary to Africa. Uh, He died in about in the 90s. I don't know whether you've heard of him, he's, he's called the Jungle Doctor. He grew up in the Southern Highlands, he grew up in Bowral. He actually grew up with uh, Don Bradman, Australian, Australia's f- most famous cricketer. Uh, in, in, he played cricket with him in the churchyard in, in Bowral. And he talks about, uh, over the years, God growing his heart in generosity over and over again. It's what took him to Africa. Uh, but he talks about... Uh, the, one of the ways that he, he grew this heart of generosity and worked on himself was every time he spent money on himself, he, he made a conscious decision, I'm going to spend money towards gospel work. Uh, so he goes on a, on, a, on a holiday, it costs him $1,000, and he says, I want to give $1,000 to gospel work. Uh, quite incredible. And over the years, uh, he's one of those guys that God kept blessing in so many ways, but also in financial means. Um, So there's a story of him uh, buying a block of land. Uh, He'd signed the paperwork, he'd put the deposit down, he thought he was buying this block of land. And then his his solicitor says to him, you do realise that this block of land is connected legally to this block of land. You've actually bought both. (laughs) And he didn't realise it. And he he, he thinks to himself, there is another example. Wouldn't that be awesome if that happened to us? (laughs) Um, There's another example of God just blessing me. I've got to keep thinking, how can I use this to be generous again? Story of Dr. Paul White. It's it's the principle of 1 Timothy 6, isn't it? Uh, it, uh, Paul says there, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our, our enjoyment, and command them not to sorry, command them to be good, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way they'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, uh, 
so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So there it is. If you sow generously, if you trust God uh, and you can sow generously, God will bring a great harvest. What, what's the harvest? It's first one we saw was more good works. Uh, a greater harvest is thanksgiving to God. Uh, the unexpected harvest was the love and prayers of others towards you. And then there's the financial harvest of more money so that you might be even more generous. So as we, as we finish up tonight, what, what, do, what do we take away from that? How do we apply that? Well, there's, there's two things in this passage that stand out to us, isn't there? There's two things to do. Uh, the first one is, in verse 6, remember this. Paul simply says, don't forget this principle. Look at it with me again. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Keep remembering this. Keep remembering this as you give your time, as you give your energy, your possessions, as you give your money. What are you doing? You are sowing into the kingdom. You're sowing into God's economy. We're actually investing. Uh, It's like the seed in the ground. It will produce a harvest that God determines. And so Paul says, remember this. Don't just remember this for, the, for, for tonight, for, for giving, for giving to new home. This is something that works in all of life. Remember this. And why does he say remember this? It's because we're going to be so tempted to forget this, aren't we? We're going to be so tempted to, and have a fear that, oh gee, if I give myself, um, I'm going to get ripped off. God's going to let me down. If I give my time, my energy, my resources, my hard-earned money, God will let me down. And Paul says, no, there's a great harvest if you sow generously. Remember this. Remember this. And the second thing is, decide. Which is really helpful for new home at the moment, isn't it? Because here we are, we need to decide on how much we're giving at this point. Uh, And so... Paul's just got a very clear instruction on that, hasn't he? Verse 7, it's been there the whole night. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so it's very simple, isn't it? Just give intentionally, uh, give decidedly, actually think about it. Uh, It's not more spiritual to go with the flow at this point. Uh, God wants us from our hearts It's actually from our will, uh, from the centre of us, decide and do it. Well, it raises the issue of trust, doesn't it? As you think about that, uh, do you trust God on this? Do you trust God enough to be generous with your life? Uh, And again, it's not just money, it's not just new home, it's with everything, isn't it? As I give myself to God, do I trust him? As I sow generously with all that I have, do I trust him for that harvest? Why don't we pray to that end? Let's pray. Our great Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your enormous generosity to us. Uh, Father, forgive us when we've underestimated, we've made small what is, what is so big in your, word, in your word, that you are a generous and good God to us in so many ways.
Uh, Father, thank you first and foremost for your forgiveness of us and the eternal life that we have because of the great cost of Jesus and his life on our behalf. But Father, thank you for what we've heard tonight that as we sow generously, you uh, will provide generously a great harvest um, we will reap. Uh, Father, help us to appreciate uh, the richness of the ways in which you want to bless us. Uh, Father, forgive us uh, when we have thought too small of that blessing, of that harvest. Uh, Father, give us a right mind as we think about money and finances, as we think about our time and resources. Uh, Lord, help us to trust you uh, as we sow generously. And Father, uh, we do pray again for our new home. Uh, Lord, we pray that as we uh, give ourselves uh, to this goal financially, but also as we seek a new home, as we pray for this and work towards this, uh, that you would provide. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.